I want to be a cowboy. I want to be a cowboy baby. <laughs> <laughs> like wearing diapers and riding cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's my ultimate fetish, being a cowboy baby. <laughs> oh, visit cowboybaby.com right now. Oh, visit, visit Nathan's DeviantArt. <laughs> I want to be a cowboy baby. <laughs> I'm being really vulnerable right now. <laughs> it's just trying to stand in his truth. Something about bottles. Babas, <laughs> pacifiers. I don't know. <sighs> Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set, a podcast about learning to appreciate an artist's back catalog. I'm Cameron DeWitt. And I'm Nathan Hunt. And I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> Special no, guest. Ringo. <laughs> Cameron, it's calling in. I, I wanted to surprise you with this. We have special guest Sir Paul McCartney. And Hello. I wanted to surprise you <laughs> with Paul, my I'm, special guest, Ringo. I'm Paul McCartney <laughs> of the band The Beatles. Paul, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Ringo, I didn't know you were going to be here. Uh, it really takes me back. So the band we used to be in, which was The Beatles. The Beatles. With with Goth Brooks hot on our tails. Hot on our tails. <laughs> you know you know, Ringo, I I've been wanting to tell you this. I used to be quite upset that Garth Brooks was almost as successful as our band, The Beatles. Was it on uh, on account of all of his all of his bad music? No, no. <laughs> I just, I just don't like having to compete. But these Yanks with the podcast think outside the box set. They've really changed me mind. They did. Uh. Anyway, Cameron and Nathan, I've got to go, or I'm going to be late for me entomology class. I'm studying the author Coleoptera. I just, I just find myself drawn to them for some reason. I think I'll stick around and uh, not say anything the rest of the time. No, Ringo, <laughs> your accent is <laughs> seems to have changed quite a bit since we were back in Liverpool. Uh, I didn't know we were gonna do a bit where I had to like brush up my Liverpool. I oh. would have gotten in character. Are you impersonating Ringo? Oh, I'm shocked I am. Cameron, you I think you've offended Sir Paul. Oh, yeah. I think I'm uh, going to go now. Opposite of yes and. I'm <laughs> bored of this. I feel very offended. I'm going to go back to Liverpool. I wish you would. I'm going to call up Ringo himself. I'll make sure he's okay. What? <laughs> Cameron, I think, I think Sir Paul thinks you might have done something untoward with Ringo. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> uh, so in 1993, uh, Garth Brooks came out with the album In Pieces. Uh-huh. Um, for those of you who are just now tuning in, uh, we talk about Garth Brooks uh, albums for the time being. For the time and being. And when we're, when we're out of those, we're going to talk about some other artist who um, uh, has had a massive impact, but for some reason, people don't really listen to their albums back to front. Mm-hmm. 
but for now, Garth. So here's a here's a funny little uh, anecdote. Maybe you uh, found this too. Mm-hmm. In 1993, Brooks, who had criticized music stores selling used CDs what? since it led to a loss in proper royalty payments, oh, persuaded Capitol Records to not ship his 1993 album in pieces to stores which engaged in this practice. This led to what? several antitrust lawsuits against the record label. Ending with Capital shipping the albums to the stores anyway. What the fuck, Garth? <laughs> As if Garth wasn't rich enough from his ten million or seventeen million, two seventeen million selling albums in a row, Cameron. Yeah, he's two a of them. Miserly, isn't he? Jesus Christ, Garth. Ah oh, man. I mean, he he got to where he was not because I mean because he's a salesman and because he's a businessman. I guess that's why. So I, I get it, but also, come on, yeah. dude. I, and here in 2017, he's he refuses to let himself be on streaming music sites like Spotify or Amazon because of, I guess, similar concerns about artists getting paid amounts of money. Yeah, which I I kind of understand. I hear that it's not a great deal for artists to be on those kinds of music streaming services. Yeah, totally. Uh, interestingly enough, Cameron, speaking about distribution for this record, in Great Britain, this was Garth's highest placed album on the charts. Yeah, it I reached saw that. top 10 of the country album charts before it was officially released. Um, what does was, that even mean? <laughs> they were just like, I guess, imports from the United States and Ireland, which I'm sure cost more than normal, like just regular records. Right. Um, and people thought that like people buying the imports would ruin the album sales but then it went to number one in the country charts so did really well in great britain i've never thought about the country charts in great britain before yeah me either (laughs) and i never will again and i still haven't (laughs) thought about them uh (laughs) here's what else happened in 93 uh the first bombing of the World Trade Centers. Right. So they tried to do it, um, but we caught them or whatever. I don't know all the details, but... Uh, Something about a van they, in the basement. They, yeah. They tried to, like, knock the... With some bombs, they tried to knock, like, the first tower into the second one, but they killed six people and injured, like, a thousand people. Wow. Yeah. I don't know the rest of the details, but that happened. Pretty bonkers. Uh, there's an earthquake in India that kills 10 thousand people whoa dude holy shit insane that's a hell of a lot of people my god yeah and then there was another one i think it was in like indonesia or uh i forget but it was like another couple thousand there's a bunch of like really fucked up like natural disaster situations this year it was really rough luckily that's not happening now in 2017 right uh since we uh fixed our ways and Mm -hmm. made good infrastructure and Mm -hmm. lowered our carbon footprint oh definitely (laughs) uh waco siege do you know about this yes i do the branch dravidians the branch did you say dravidians is it not is it davidians i think it's davidians god damn it uh they had some sort of religious cult and they were seized by uh sorry sieged by the atf military and texas law enforcement it lasted like a month and a half um and uh yeah like fair amount of people died they got the kids out like halfway through a bunch of them were like um 
molested and stuff. Ooh. And yeah, it was like a really ugly situation. Mm-hmm. But good news, the U.S. and Soviet Union start, um, or they signed start to reducing nuclear warheads by uh, 3,500 each. Wow, that's a start. Little little baby steps. Uh, and then um, apparently the two former police officers, or sorry, two of the police officers um, who beat Rodney King are convicted of violating his civil rights. Mm. Uh, let me tell you something else that happened in 1993. Cameron, this is the last of Garth's albums that's released on his crazy, hectic, once-a-year schedule. He's released one album every mm. year from 1989 to 1993. While constantly touring, Cameron. That's... It's, it's beyond bonkers. Uh, so the next year after this, he does not release an album. It comes two years later in 1995, I believe. Oh, good. Good for him. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad he's taking some time. Maybe that'll give him some time to have a little bit of quality control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so, because he's been up and down. And spoiler alert, this is yeah. a little kind of down. <laughs> um, before we get into the song discussion, uh, I wanted to have one tiny little bit of follow-up to fucking blow your mind, Cameron. All right, I'm ready. Yeah. So get this. I think. Um, <laughs> you remember how way back in the first episode... I got the fucking title of our podcast wrong. Yes, you did. I did. I called it Beyond the Box Set instead of Think Outside the Box Set. And the real title is Think Outside the Box Set. Hashtag Think Outside the Box Set. Uh, But (laughs) Rachel was happening to search the iTunes store um, for our podcast. And instead of typing Think Outside the Box Set, uh, she typed Beyond the Box Set because I've implanted that in her and Gross. guess what it's an actual podcast wait uh, what yeah it was actually launched this year in february and it's actually really fucking good cameron god damn it i know right well our podcast sucks <laughs> <laughs> well in comparison um it's the basically the idea is that two british guys are pitching each other on stupid sequels or remakes or spin-offs to mm. movies that don't have sequels um, oh good it's okay really, so that's they're not getting in on our territory no they're not they're not chomping our flavor but it's it's really entertaining i'm kind of a fan already i'm going through their back catalog it's uh it's oh, very sweet. deadpan this they're, looks hilarious her too single white operating system <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i started from the beginning where they have uh they pitched titanic 2 as a stoner comedy starting seth rogan and uh, james franco <laughs> <laughs> inception hormonal awakening yeah that one's kind of weird <laughs> but yeah this looks hilarious it's all right great, free, man. free plug high highly recommended so time to get into it cameron oh wait 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 one last thing all about right. uh in pieces general thoughts what the fuck is going on with that album cover garth, oh, i didn't even look at it this time garth uh it's a little bit clearer the the <laughs> The shirt that Garth is wearing, he's he has he's had a, an entire like stable, a plethora, a wardrobe oh my full God. of ridiculous shirts. So if you click Whoa. on if you click on um yeah 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 ain't going down till the sun comes up, you get a, a clearer view of the shirt he is wearing. And le- let me tell you, listener, it is a patchwork of red and black squares, like a fucking chessboard. Um, <sighs> and so that means, I guess, that Garth has moved on from taking fashion inspiration from referees and has moved on to <laughs> harlequins i guess or just checkers <laughs> checkers the game <laughs> you guys i love checkers 
I just <laughs> I just love them checkers. I, I gotta get that game. on my shirt. I love the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, Richard Nixon's dog checkers. We. <laughs> I'm really curious what our Garth impression is based on, because I don't think it's anything I, like what he sounds like. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's got like a, li- a little, bit of, little bit of something in there, but not much. A little something, something. A little junk in that trunk. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, standing Outside the Fire is the first one. Standing Outside the Fire Standing Outside the Fire Life is not tried, it is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. So, we call them cool. Those hearts that have no scars to show. The ones that never do let go and risk the tables being turned. We call them fools who have to dance within the flame, who chance the sorrow and the shame that always comes with getting burned. But, Nathan, are you listening? I'm listening. Okay. I'm with bated breath. Nathan, just oh. shut up. Okay. Nathan. Okay. You've got to be tough huh. when you're consumed by desire. Oh. Because oh. it's not enough just to stand outside the fire. Uh, Cameron, as someone who's done some writing, I think, I think the rule is that the, most, the more metaphors you can cram into a song, the better, right? Is that, is that correct? Yeah, you just got to, like, really get them in there. Yeah, just, like, you want to have, like, upwards of two or three hundred. <laughs> that would be ideal. This song gets pretty close to that. All right. So, that's that's the soul. Ba- uh, I mean, sorry, that's the... I was just reading lyrics. That's the, uh, that's the whole song. Um, basically, what you should do is, like, just be full... Just follow your id... And uh, every, like, stupid, flippant emotion that you have and just, like, um, ruin your life and everyone else's. Um, And don't be like those aloof, cautious, thoughtful, considerate people who, like, think about what they do and, like, (laughs) hold their emotions and their their ideas and values, like, in balance. Who have Um, any self-control at all. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Just, like, how do I say it? I mean... Standing outside the fire, life is not tried. It it is merely survived. Mm-hmm. If you're standing outside the fire, oh, that's and, deep. And uh, since when has survival done anyone any good ever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's stupid. You shouldn't survive. So I really related to the song, and I like it a lot because that's like <laughs> that's it's how just you live really your life. Ca- it's how that's how I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Look creature me, of starting, pure id, like John Belushi and Animal starting House. Starting my second podcast. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Um. Cameron, I know you're exaggerating for comedic effect, but I don't think you're being quite fair to the song. I don't think it, I don't think you're characterizing it correctly. It's I don't think it's about following your whim and being a creature of pure id. I think it's <laughs> basically a song that could be summed up in the phrase "take a chance on love." Yeah, I think he's just phrasing it really poorly. I I just don't like the dichotomy that mm. he sets up. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole device of this song is like going back and forth in the verses like we call them cool those hearts that have no scars and then we call them fools who have to dance within the flame we call them strong those who can face this world alone some people are meant to be single Mm. (laughs) like or some people are like called to be to to be uh hermits you know Mm -hmm. we call them weak who are unable to resist the slightest chance love might exist 
and for that forsake it all. Yeah, don't forsake it all. Mm. I, I know that like some people have a problem with like emotional repression. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. Um, but like, I just like, I don't know. This album, I had a lot of very personal, like, maybe subjective, uh, strong feelings about songs in this Ooh, album, so which is nice I. to have. Well. <laughs> but this is one of them that kind of bothered me because, like, uh, I guess just because I spend, I've spent a, so much time in my life, like, um, especially as, like, a white man, like, someone who's full of privilege, and, like, if I let my, like, feelings guide me, I'm just going to hurt people. I feel like this is like a confirmation. I feel like this song isn't meant for people to get them to like, this isn't for introverted people to get them fired up. I feel like this is a confirmation bias song for people who Mm. like want to be celebrated for like, um, uh, being creatures of period. Mm, Interesting. Uh, Cameron, I want you to know that Wikipedia says of this song, quote, standing outside the fire is known by many to be a song of inspiration. All right. Yep. That's uh. Well, it's well written. That sentence of Wikipedia. <laughs> um, Cameron, I think if you're next to a fire, you should probably stand outside of it. That's what I would recommend. Yeah. Stand. Stand outside yeah, the this, fire. This, Definitely do. This song is built on the stupidest and shittiest of metaphors, <laughs> and he repeats it so much. It's literally the first uh, two lines of the chorus and the last line. Of, uh, three. It's three out of four lines of the chorus. Standing outside the fire. Uh, no shit, dummy. (laughs) If you're next to a fire, you should probably stand outside of it. I would highly recommend that. Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad metaphor. It's terrible. That is the worst offense of this song. (laughs) Yeah, and it's, I mean, they're just weak and vague lyrics anyway. They just, it's like a bunch of aphorisms strung together, but they're not good. And they're pretty poorly thought out metaphors. Um, so... That's enough of that yeah. song. Fuck that song. Uh, well, okay, hold on. Just just a couple, <laughs> you talk just a couple about more, more things. <laughs> uh, I like the overall, like, tone of this song. Like, the sounds are all good. There's some, like, great percussion. There's, like, a... Um, there's, like, a Paul Simon-esque kind of thing. Uh, fiddling's pretty good. Um, and uh, there's some good pianisms in it. And I'm kind of a sucker for mm, pianisms. piano is esque uh fills and stuff like that mm, so peen uh and also the Cameron, bridge Cameron, is did you say you're a sucker for peen is that what you <laughs> I did. is that what you said <laughs> seems a little freudian to me whoops uh <laughs> what kind of fire are you standing outside of cameron uh <laughs> you should probably stand in that fire just a normal fire I'm standing outside <laughs> Camp of fire. i don't want to get burned bonfire <laughs> yeah nothing to see here move along <laughs> Okay, next song. This one is called The Night I Called the Old Man Out. And it's an ode to parental physical abuse. Hooray! Uh, Thank God we finally get one of those. Uh, this is, speaking of like, uh, like personal responses to songs, I had a very strong, just yeah, like dude. heebie-jeebies about this. Not heebie-jeebies, but like, it made my skin crawl and I really hated it because here's what the song is. There's a disagreement between Garth and his dad and they start shouting and then it's not clear who throws the first blow, but they end up being fist to fist and eye to eye, standing toe to toe. 
Uh, his dad would have let him walk away, but I just he just would not let it go. Years of my frustration had led me to this night. Now he'll pay for all the times that he's been right. And there's a history and a pattern of abuse from this father figure because his dad abuses all his brothers in the same way. Yeah, it's the only the only way this dad can handle any conflict is to beat people up. Uh, in the chorus, yeah. he he talks about his older brothers crawling back in the house each time they call the old man out. So literally, yeah. any time this guy is disagreed with, he just beats up on his children, which is okay. It wouldn't be so bad if that's all what the song was, but the way that Garth right. characterizes it is what yeah. makes it really, really offensive because it uses the old cliche son it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you but it takes it to a really just horrific place um because garth is basically characterizing it as being uh justified um he says of his dad the blood came from my mouth and nose but the tears came from his eyes and in memory of that fateful night i know the greatest pain was his and i just pray someday Someday I'm half the man he is. I hope Garth is also half the man he is and at least hits his kids half as much. At least half as much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or at most. At most. <laughs> it's just perpetuating the cycle of abuse. It's yeah. Eh, it's a real bummer. I hated this song. Yeah, fuck this song. Yeah. The music's fantastic. The music's really good. I think the lyrics are good. I mean, like, the content of the lyrics are... Um, severely they're super troubling but i think the storytelling is like really really good Mm. it's just the story sucks if this same song like ended a different way i think this might be like my favorite song Mm. like because i really care about everyone involved Mm -hmm. but then it's just like ah so troubling at the end yeah and because what he's doing is saying like he, yeah, he's like celebrating and like perpetuating the cycle, and like he, his dad finally earned his respect by like beating him, and that's like what has to happen, right? And it's it's almost like a weird rite of passage for a kid to challenge his father and get the shit beat out of him. Yeah, and it's it's sort of characterizes that's how it's supposed to be, and that's how it is. I mean, like I like it when when this kind of thing happens in certain stories like i don't i don't i'm not saying that it's not like a powerful like moment it's just like it's so conclusively celebratory and like and now i respect him um yeah like when it happens in i think it happens in like east of eden mm-hmm. um there's like a father-son uh fight and it's like really really powerful and the way it resolves is like uh i don't know i think really beautiful um, I'm not saying that like you can't have a song about violence, right? You know, and have it be like a good song. Mm-hmm. I just like, or even a song about like people learning about each other through violence. But this song, there's no redeeming quality. I, I think it's an interesting thing to point out. Like you did the the songwriting itself is actually pretty good. There's some good yeah, specifics. It's pretty well written. Besides the point that it makes, which is super troubling. Yeah. Um, it's got this great Bon Jovi, Kenny Rogers, uh, like vibe to it. Is that Kenny Rogers? No, Kenny Loggins is what I meant to say. <laughs> Sorry. I think you're thinking of Davey Loggins. Da- Davey, <laughs> Davey Loggins. <laughs> uh, it's, it's got like a, every, everyone's watching to see what you will Dude, do. That is it's, not Ke- Davey Loggins or Ken, that's Kenny bon Jovi, Loggins, right? No. 
Who is that? Uh, shit. Uh, that's everybody's working for the weekend. Loverboy. Oh, never mind. I'm pretty I sure they're know. a one-hit wonder, but they were. I mean, they had like a very Bon Jovi vibe, but a little more synthy. I was thinking. I was thinking. Uh, the we're halfway there. Oh, living, living on, on a, a prayer. prayer. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, the Lover Boy is the one that I was thinking of. It feels like that. It's like a, but it's like got like a little bit more of a country groove, and uh, like just just like a little hint. And the the chorus uh, chord progression is it goes to the major because it's in minor the rest of the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I think the harmony is really awesome and the songwriting is really good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, awesome musically, awesome lyrically. Until the end, when it's just, like, so offensive and, and problematic. Okay. Well, speaking of offensive and problematic God lyrics. damn it, Nathan. Cameron, that's a segue into you synopsizing the American Honky Tonk Bar Association. Identify some situation that you're facing. Contact your American Honky Tonk Bar Association. Most of this song is great, uh, or at least fine, except for this one. The second verse is like extremely offensive. Um, but basically, it's it's setting up this this uh, the lyrical devices. Um, if you're having a rough time, or if you need somewhere to blow off steam, like join your American Honky Tonk Bar Association, and it's and it's like. As if it's some sort of union or like non-government agency or something, or club, um, or club, uh, and it, it uses some of that like language. Um, you know, there's no forms or applications. There's no red tape administrations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just alcoholism club. Yeah. Well, here here's the thing. Uh, obviously, there's drinking involved in this, but I think. So let's go to the chorus real quick before we get to the shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it says, their heart is in the music and they love to play it loud. I feel like the honky-tonk culture is like one of like dancing and like live music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I just did a honky-tonk uh, two-step. I was at this like folk festival in Chicago and I did a honky-tonk two-step for the first time. Mm, it that's was not going to get you fun. very far. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was actually uh, it was actually a lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two steps, Cameron. Come on, I know this one um, and two. Like that's not that many to keep track of. All right, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so like I'm down. I'm now like down with the idea of like a honky tonk dance and like g- getting getting loose and having like a dance at a bar. Like I could see this being like really fun. And I don't necessarily think this is a song about alcoholism as much as it is like, hey, come party and blow off steam. You're but, right. I was being you're right. I was being flippant and not very fair. Yeah. So, well, because like I I want to look out for that stuff because I think that it does occur in other Garth Brooks songs. Um, but I don't think this is specifically about like substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Basic. I, I actually like these this first verse pretty well. If your paycheck depends on the weather and the clock. If your conversation calls for a little more than a coffee pot, um, oh, I just got what you, that means. It means alcohol. It means booze. <laughs> yeah. not ne- not necessarily a problematic amount of booze. Right, right. Uh, it's a little more you, than a coffee pot. Yeah. If you need to pour your heart out and try to rectify some situation that you're facing, 
uh, contact your American Honky Tonk Bar Association. Uh, I, I, I think that's fun and like, you know, kind of like kitschy and like whatever. I think it's like pretty well written. Then the next one, uh, it's a real, real bummer. Yeah. When Uncle Sam dips in your pocket for most things you don't mind. Uh, but when your dollar goes to all of those uh, fighter jets and uh, um, <laughs> wars in the Middle East, <laughs> wars in the Middle East, um, uh, then, you know, you have to have somewhere to like venture frustrations. That's what this song says. That's not what he really says. Cameron. And like, it was offensive to me because our freedoms. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Cameron, what did it really say? No, it says, it says, but when your dollar goes to all of those standing in a welfare line. Ugh. Fuck you, Garth. Yeah, no kidding. Especially because like, not to get too political, but this is a supercharged issue at the time. Um, yeah. Like this was a big uh, Reagan made this a huge issue in his campaign. He had the dog whistle term of the welfare queen. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, they, there was just like a ton of propaganda against welfare recipients. Um, a lot of it very racially charged. Um, yeah. The welfare queen is like demonizing black mothers in poverty, um, and so there's like he's just like buying in and perpetuating this like totally horrible propaganda. Um, and then a few years after this, in 1996, Bill Clinton administration, along with the Republican Congress, enacts yeah. some welfare reforms that end a lot of its usefulness and start making poverty worse. We shall be free. <laughs> Stand straight. Have little faith. Yeah. We shall, we being white, middle class people, be free. <laughs> That's pretty that's pretty fair. We can all we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. And then later on it says like we don't reach for handouts, we reach for those who are down. And it's like you you just said that you're bummed out about the people in the welfare line. Also, what what if you can't afford to go to the bar? What if you're in enough poverty that you just can't flippantly spend on booze? Well, every local chapter has a 7-day a week available consultation for your frustration. Mm. Um I, I do appreciate, Cameron, that you are seeing the positive qualities in the song because there are some. <laughs> yeah. um, it is, I mean, there there is like a necessary and needed appreciation for working class frustrations. Um, sure. But it totally blames the wrong people. Like It does. It's like, oh, the real problem we have is the people of who are even lower class than us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's... It's 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 absurd. It reminds me of Fry has this line in Futurama where they're talking about like uh, poor people like getting some government handout or something. He's like, the less fortunate get all the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what this song is doing. Yeah. So there's also some like other just annoying things about this song. Like there there's this part at the beginning of every of every chorus it's very like fun on purpose but it's basically like it's the it's probably the biggest ping on the pander meter so far oh definitely uh, in terms of like um <laughs> just rattling off uh like confirmation bias like keywords mm -hmm. uh it represents the mud flaps six pack bear crack mm -hmm. which is his way of saying beer uh overtaxed flag waving <laughs> fun loving crowd uh, and then earlier, um, Cameron, what is a beer crack? Uh, <laughs> it's the cracking of a beer. I, I guess, but I, when I heard the lyrics, I thought he meant bear crack as in 
their pants are sagging and they got the little plumber smile. Yeah, it it That's sure does sound like that. Yeah. He's so. singing it too fast for it to like for you to know that he's saying beer. I didn't know that right. he said beer until I read the lyrics. Yeah. Maybe they mix beer with crack cocaine. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Just get a six pack of beer crack. <laughs> uh, yeah. It represents the hard hat, gun rack, Aiken back, overtaxed, flag waving, fun loving crowd. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. This 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 album's really offensive for the first three songs, and it was a real bummer listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the music is like fine. I don't like the music that well. That's but all right. It's like. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, there there is some things to to mention. Uh, there's some like fun piano uh, glissandos and uh, no, I'm thinking of a different song. Yeah, this song just sucks. Yep. Um, okay, next song is called "One Night a Day," and guess what? It's an Elton John ballad. It is. One night a day. One. Step away from leaving you behind. Um, this is a post breakup song where Garf is trying to cope. Yeah, uh, he's you know what he's doing? He's sitting at the radio singing along with the songs he knows. Yeah. Which I, I don't mind that so much. There's some uh, really Can we good... be done with that? <laughs> well, yeah, he it's it's definitely like well-trod ground at this point for Garth, but at least he's next, not... Next album, he's going to have a, a radio song. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the song a breakup radios. radio song. It's just the whole song. And it'd be like, all right, all done. Thank you for waiting. <laughs> yeah. He, he has to have like two or three of those every album. Yeah. Um, and this is... That all have... that, But they're all also songs about songs about girls leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he definitely gets a little meta. Um this is like a pretty good version of that i definitely don't mind it it i think it suffers because we've listened to so many of them so far yeah um but taken on its own merits i think it's it's actually pretty decent there's some really great specific moments uh he has this one verse where he says or it might be the bridge he says i'm calling every friend i've had this is wake, good. <laughs> wake them up and make them mad let them know that i'm okay i used to sit and talk to you they're all just a substitute yeah substitute me for him for who um it's also really really wait, wait, we'll get a good take <laughs> you get pete townsend in here to play the guitar oh, i could come in and play the guitar and a one oh a <laughs> paul mccartney came back he's offering to play a guitar oh i'm pretty ringo. good at playing the guitar if i say so myself Ring, ringo's asleep ringo's always asleep he slept he slept through all the recording of the beatles oh my, albums. oh my god what he's he's not his chest isn't moving. And scene. Let's uh, move on. Okay. <laughs> this is not this podcast. I like that you're trying new things. <laughs> it makes me panicked. <laughs> also, Cameron, I don't think we should make jokes about Ringo Starr dying because there's a potential it might not age very well in the next couple of years, if you know um, what I mean. You're right. You're right. I really like Ringo and I hope he lives forever. Yeah. He's just so much fun. Um, and then when he dies, he goes to that great octopus's garden in the city. <laughs> 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 I'd like to be under the <laughs> sea. <laughs> that song is so fun. Oh, uh, it's God. so much better than this song. How is Garth Brooks? Basically, every Beatles song is great in some way. 
Mm. How is Garth Brooks the second like best? He's got some I, really good songs, but there's only like one or two of them per album. Yeah, but he really like, doles it out. The Beatles are so consistent. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Sorry, um, back on. to this song, I guess. Let's talk about better music than this than this album. Let's just do that for the next like what five okay. or six songs. Um, <laughs> this it's a very like jazzy, almost like lounge singer type song. Uh, a little bluesy in there. A little bluesy. There's a saxophone uh, played by President William Judge <laughs> Forsyth Clinton. It, not really. <laughs> um, At least it's not offensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing we can say about several of the songs on this album. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of these. There's a lot of offensive ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole minute of outro in this one. Yeah, there is. Just saxophone in. Oh, uh, saxophone. There's some cool, like, planing guitar chords. Planing? What does that mean? It's, like, kind of parallel chords, like, moving in one direction. Like, a lot of, a lot of you know, uh, a lot of guitar playing are open position chords. So, like, you know, there's six notes per chord, and each note, like, it's, it's not treated like each note is a melody. It's just like, okay, here's my G, here's my E, here's my A minor. Um, but like planing guitar chords are like, um, he, he's playing melodically with every single note. Mm. Or she. I don't know if this is a woman or a guitar. Sorry. Uh, a woman, a or, woman a guitar, or a guitar. I, <laughs> I don't know if this is a woman playing guitar or a man guitar. I, I was being The guitar is uh, playing themselves. Um, I know that there's some great women musicians in his band. Um, but... So who, whoever's playing this guitar is like playing some like really pretty stuff, um, mm-hmm. like towards towards the end of the song before the last chorus. Um, they're all just a substitute to get through one night a day. There's some kind of like nice little moments in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm really reaching. I'm not crazy about yeah, this song. It's all right. I mean, it's not <laughs> offensive. It's kind of a lounge uh, singer song. Do you remember that last album that we talked oh, about? That was so it much was better. It was so fun and so nice. Yeah, it was very nice. <laughs> it was a very nice, respectable young man's album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, Cameron, tell me about the next song, Kicking and Screaming. We coming, kicking, getting up, and go out hollering. All right, I actually really like this song. Ooh, really interesting. Okay, yeah, I me. do. I do. Um, it's the philosophy of the song is like kind of dark and like kind of hilarious. It's like very helpless. Like uh, it's kind of another one of those. Um, uh, the dance kind of philosophy, you know, like no God chaos, mm-hmm. you know, just like, <laughs> what does it all mean? Uh, basically, um, the first verse is, uh, does, is he saying his uncle got, uh, executed? I think he got lynched, man. Lynched. Yeah. Or oh hanged, God. but probably lynched. Okay. Yeah. They, it said they sure strung him up one Saturday night. Yeah. Um, it's super dark, but like, 
uh, I'm sure his uncle deserved it. I don't know. Garth doesn't know. Yeah, Garth doesn't know. He says, I don't know what they did, but they decided to kill him. Or what he did, but they decided to kill him. Uh, he started screaming hallelujah, trying to make his peace with everyone. And then the chorus is, yeah, he was kicking and screaming just like he came in, in, in the birth times. Yeah. Um, he was kicking and screaming, darling, right to the bitter end. And then this is a really good lyric. I like it a lot. Ain't it funny how we come in kicking giddy up and we go out hollering woe? That is a really good line, actually. I love that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great lyric. Lord, we never want to be here. Sure, don't ever want to go. And it's sung all in that like little bit of Cajun flavor, a little bit of that Cajun spice. Really? He's revisiting it just a little bit. Huh. All, all I heard was like blues, basically. That's all I heard in his... Uh, he, I mean, he says church bells again in the song. He doesn't lay it on quite as thick, but it's like a little bit oh, in there, and yeah. I like it. <laughs> I could hear those church bells ringing to my best friend. I was Which brings me to the next one, uh, the next verse. Basically, it's about him getting married, and he's like, you know, clinging to his, his, his best man, saying like, don't let me do this. Mm. And then, you know, two years later, he's you know clinging to his his honey and saying like don't don't do this don't leave me um and and then it does the does the chorus again and basically the whole idea of the song is just like um you know the the fraughtness of like you know you're you're sort of doomed to 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 want to live and to live your life to the fullest and you're doomed to have to live and like I don't know. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Man is condemned to be free. Um, yeah. To quote one of Garth's favorite philosophers, Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> there is again. Uh, Cameron, you wrinkled my brain just now because I did not really understand the second verse. Um, I thought that they were ending up lynching Garth. No. Uh, I thought... That's uh, dumb and stupid and well, bad. Why does he think that? <laughs> <laughs> Shut your goddamn mouth, you asshole. Uh, because he goes right into, I was kicking and screaming just like I came in, right to the bitter end. Uh, yeah, of his marriage. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's that's how he described his uncle earlier. And now that you say that, yeah. uh, it seems even more clever than it than it. Yeah, dude. At the time. It's a great development of the theme. It really is. The, it's a good song. It's super dark lyrically, but it's really well written. Yeah. I mean, it's really dark to draw those images of a totally. of a hanged man kicking and in his last throes of life <laughs> and connect that to the way a baby kicks when it's born i mean whoa oh my that god is dark and a half yeah <laughs> yeah uh there's a great turnaround um right before the last seems we never want to be here sure don't ever want to go um it's like a great sort of blues turnaround but it's not cliche like it's not just like a stock one it goes in some really interesting directions so don't ever want to go no we never want to be here sure don't ever want to go Who wrote this one? I don't have the writing credits in front of me. Uh, let's see. Tony Arata. Oh, Tony Arata wrote the dance. He did? Yeah. Yeah, oh. dude. It's, that's why it's the same. Oh, Tony it's the Arata's same song. Like a, yeah, he's, he's a total... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's written some real clunkers, like, face to face. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is basically the same song. He's like, and, you know, sort of like atheist, like it's all chaos. Like, and I kind of, I kind of into it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At least in these, in this song, I think it's better in this song than in uh, the dance. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. super different than in the dance. Garth has some fun vocal things he's doing. He has a real strong blues growl on some of his lines. He's just like really uh, belting it out. Yeah, um, dude. He has a he has a really fun cheesy like spoken word bit where he's before his uh, the verse that deals with him. He's like, "Take me for example." I wanna go before going back yeah, and singing. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like kind of fun and and pretty cheesy. I liked it. Oh, there there's another lyric that I really like too. It's um no, I didn't want to do it, but I sure don't want to see it come undone. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. This is a good song. Do you want to talk about this song about um uh, hit, uh, this singer's conditions for performing oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make that joke. I uh, beat you to it. Ah, damn it. <laughs> this song is called Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up. <laughs> Ain't going down till the sun comes up. Ain't getting in till they get enough. Go around the world in a pickup truck. Ain't going down till the sun comes up. And it's about a boy who refuses to engage in oral sex uh, during the nighttime. It has to be during daylight. Ah, no, that's not what it's really about. Or is uh, it? This song. But it is about hot, hot, hot youths. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, mama. Uh, this song is mostly about uh, how Garth is allergic to the final G's at the end of verbs. Uh, so he ain't going down till the sun comes up. Uh, he does that also in kicking and screaming. Both yeah. of those have the apostrophe instead of the G. Uh, that's neither here nor there. That's not really what this song's about. Um, so a, a girl goes out partying with her boy toy, despite her mama's warnings. They go to a rodeo, and they I think they do they go to a honky tonk. They go to the boy store. They go to the boy store. Uh, boy toys are us. Boys are us. <laughs> um, Yours is better. Yeah. We just, we just uh, um, rock, paper, scissors that one and yeah. you won. Yeah, I win. Um, and so nine o'clock, the show is ending at the rodeo, but the fun is just beginning. She knows he's anticipating, but she's going to keep him waiting. And they end up parking down at the creek and they start. <laughs> dancing cheek to cheek and i'm pretty sure he means butt, butt cheek cheeks. to butt cheek <laughs> <laughs> and um the the girl gets grounded because her mom told her to be home before dawn i think which is super crazy and a pretty loose rule uh, yeah what the fuck? yeah that's cuz that's, that's when all the oral sex happens <laughs> yeah i guess that's why she's she's okay with just uh full on just penetrative sex but that oral sex ooh that's the devil's work um and so the girl gets grounded but she does her chores and she sneaks out to go do it all over again with the boy um this song it's kind of a a weird one because there's not really like any Melody in the chorus, or not the chorus, the verse. Six o'clock on Friday evening, Mama doesn't know she's leaving. Did she hear the screamers slamming, rubber squealing, gears are jamming, local country station just a blaring on a radio. Baby. 
Yeah, yeah this is like a style of song. Like, yeah. there's that. Isn't there like a? It's sort of like it's the end of the world as we know it. The other night I tripped a nice continental, tripped by a mountain, stayed in a light, land, earth, burnt sign, land, grass, nap, plenty, push and lesser banks, birthday party, cheesecake, jelly. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. You're totally right. You know, that weird, like, kind of chant. Um, I wonder and, if, if that's... And also, the isn't there a Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire? Oh, yeah, you're right. It's oh, a thing. Man. This style of song. Yeah, you're right. That's like very late 80s, early 90s. I wonder if that's uh, through the influence of hip-hop around this time. Like white artists trying to cop a little bit of the hip-hop flavor into their yeah, songs. But it would be another 20 years before we reached uh, the um, platinum age of uh, country hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait. Oh, uh, yeah. It's getting there. Someday. Yeah. Your kids are going to love it. Yeah. Um, Cameron, we've joked about it, but in the, in the uh, chorus, when he says, ain't going down till the sun comes up, I don't... I want your opinion. I think it might not actually be a reference to oral sex because that doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> I think, is that a reference to the boy's boner? Uh, it might be. Might be a, might be about a little wormy boner. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about going around the world on a pickup truck? No, you're not. Uh, in 80 days. Um, going around town. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's some pretty hot lyrics, though. Uh, he yeah. has this like chanty part where he's like ten till twelve, ten fuck ten till twelve <laughs> is wine and dancing. Midnight starts the hard romancing. <sighs> one o'clock, romancing. one o'clock that truck is rocking. Don't come knocking. Uh, two is coming. Still no stopping. Ooh, two are coming. Get it? Because it's two. Of the both of them are coming. Two people <laughs> at uh, least. Break to check the clock at three. They're right on where they want to be. Four o'clock, get up and going. Uh huh. Five o'clock, that rooster's crowing, which means his cock. I think. <laughs> oh, that is really clever. The cock no, is but crowing. It, it is five o'clock. That rooster's crow. Oh yeah. And he holds it out forever. Oh yeah, and Mama loves meow. Mama loves meow. <laughs> um, is this the first harmonica? Yeah. I wrote that down too. I was like, "Damn, this is the first harmonica." Yeah, there's some like uh, chuckas in in the harmonica. It goes chucka chucka, and uh, it's awesome. Mm. What do you think about the outro of this song? Uh, what happens in the outro again? There's the most frenetic masturbatory, uh, just like out of control trading solos between the electric guitar and the harmonica. Oh yeah, ah. Uh. Uh, it was all right. I wasn't super into it. I think if it. I saw it live, I would have lost my mind. I would have mm. been super into it. But on an album, it's just like, ah, man, this is like so... <laughs> 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 They're, they obviously got super horny listening to the oh, lyrics. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> They're just stroking their instruments, so like, to calm, speak. Calm down, harmonica player. Yeah. It's it's pretty fun. It's an uh, inoffensive, mostly, song. Uh, just about yeah. teenage sex, like... Go for it, sure. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, tell me about the, the red strokes. Uh, strokes. God. 
God damn it. This song, okay, so Garth's written some horny songs, mm-hmm. and some I've been pretty into. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it was working for me, and I was feeling him. All of a sudden, Garth is a dad in this song. <laughs> and this, what? I mean, this song is just like, it's such an uh, adults having sex. Like, obviously, that's the only, you know, good, that's a good thing. I hope but that's it's, what... It's, I know. I what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is it's like, it's this song is like listening to your mom and dad try to talk about having sex. Mm. Like, it's embarrassing. How, how so? To uh, synopsize it for us. All right. So basically, he's just like, he, he's just describing like a romantic, like a cliched romantic movie setting uh moonlight on canvas midnight and wine two shadows starting to softly combine mm. um i hope that uh, i hope something's hard the picture trying to painting... it's not easy to softly combine <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> it doesn't it. work too well i've tried it when i'm real sleepy and drunk but it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> pushing rope uh, no uh, no good <laughs> uh the picture they're painting is one of the heart the purple heart and he rhymes <laughs> and it with the, fart <laughs> so to those who have seen it sex it is it's a true work of art he likes the voyeur kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> those who've seen it yeah oh the red strokes which is like i guess like you know deep body tissue of like your engorged genitals <laughs> stroking each other <laughs> yep uh, Passion's uncaged, thundering moments. He loves thunder sex. Oh yeah. Um, of Nathan, I I wanted to ask, uh, you're a man of the world. What's tenderness rage? That's <laughs> <laughs> when you have. Could you, you have... explain this to me? What is tenderness rage? I've never <laughs> felt that. <laughs> it's it's uh it's when you have a raging boner, Cameron. Because like you know the skin's like it's pretty soft and tender and velvety. But it's still like a raging boner still. It's when it's just like, owie! <laughs> ow, 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 I'm mad. Ow, 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 ow. I'm mad at how <laughs> bonered out I am. It's when you're all dried out. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been doing this too long. I'm getting some real tenderness rage. <laughs> <laughs> That's way better than what I said. God damn it. <laughs> uh, oh, temperate Jesus. and strong, burning the night like the dawn i kind of actually like that lyric burning the night like yeah. the dawn i mean cameron That's you haven't good. you haven't mentioned the overarching metaphor of this song which is the painting okay well that's because it's <laughs> they they forget about the metaphor until <laughs> until the bridge dude it opens oh, with moonlight on canvas well they say the that the picture they're and, painting is one of the heart come but on the, but then they they drop it for like the rest the rest of the time uh, they red open strokes it up with is meta- about painting like the strokes of the brush. Well, it just feels like once they get to the bridge, it's mm. like, uh, oh shit, I haven't developed this enough. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, the blues will be blue and the jealousies. Uh, fuck, what are jealous? What color green. jealousy? Oh yeah, green. Brown. Um, uh, fuck, but- no, wrong. <laughs> but, Nathan, when love picks its shade, it demands to be seen. The red strokes. Oh, the red strokes. Uh. <laughs> 
I didn't think that was that bad. Uh, I, I think this song made me. It made my skeleton leave my body. It made me <laughs> just like I felt so icky and gross and, and embarrassed. <laughs> uh, made you give you a real case of tenderness rage. Um, here's a good. Here's a good lyric. Salt in a kiss. I kind of like that. I think that's kind of sexy. Oh, sweaty. Yeah. Oh, salt in a kiss. In the same that. line, they have uh, they have the steam on the window, which <laughs> is not the only time it shows up on this album, and he really beats James James Cameron to it. Uh, because that shows up in Titanic, and I think oh, James yeah. Cameron was directly inspired by this song and the other song on this album that uses it. Steam on the window, salt in a kiss, mm-hmm. two butts have never pounded like this. <laughs> Pound that butt. <laughs> it's hearts. Yeah. Two hearts. Oh, oh, right, yeah. Um, Cameron, um, you're pretty harsh on this song, but I appreciate how much the lyrics are trying. I don't think it's well-written, <laughs> I don't think it really succeeds. We finally traded places. Like, you're just like, oh, you're trying. Yeah. <laughs> that used to be my line. <laughs> well, I think this might be the the song that tries the most for, uh, like, genuine poetical writing out of any of his songs. Okay. Uh, but it's not good poetical writing. Hey, there, there, there is in, this, in the second verse, there is a good moment where it, it does revisit the metaphor. It says inspired by a vision that they can't command erasing the borders which is like a uh with with each brush of a hand and that's like obviously like a a metaphor there and he avoided saying erasing the borders between woman and man which i really really appreciated Mm. yeah (laughs) he he didn't didn't just say that he didn't go for the shitty rhyme yeah yeah Uh, now cameron I get to talk about the by far the best song on the album. It is. Oh my much. god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this one is called uh Colin Baton Rouge. Situation stopping every hundred miles, Colin Baton Rouge. Uh lyrically, it's a song about a man who gets with a girl named Samantha in Baton Rouge while they were drunk. Uh, but he can't stop thinking about her. So while he's out on the road, he's constantly calling her like every hundred miles. And hence the titular lyrics calling Baton Rouge. And then he has a, a bridge or verse with the lyrics addressed to the operator to call Baton Rouge. Oh, uh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Stacked up harmonies. Yeah. Oh, man. Operator, won't you put me on through? I got to send my love down to Baton Rouge. Hurry up. Won't you put her on the line? I got to talk to the girl just one more time. The, the part that we were referring to is, are these really creepy, like patronizing, even more than like patronizing, just like super creepy lyrics uh, in the first verse. Such a strange combination of a woman and a child while well, he's talking about yeah. boning her. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's that really makes me creepy. Um, he says child, yeah. not a girl, which would have also been rough yeah but like a woman and a child Ugh. yeah i mean he does call her a girl elsewhere in the song but, he does um yeah so that's that's not great but uh this song has an interesting history because it was written by dennis lind in the 70s which huh. i think uh, it's i don't want to give a pass to it but i think that sort of explains the creepiness of the lyrics a little bit because i hear a lot of similar lyrics about woman child i think comes up in like Jimi hendrix right. or something like that that's voodoo child oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> hey 
Hey, a quick anecdote. I saw uh, this like white kid um, playing Voodoo Child uh, recently at a show, and it was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> He's like, I'm a chopper a mountain with the palm of my hand or whatever. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, S- you're not a voodoo child. <laughs> you're clear. You're clearly not. Clearly not. Maybe, maybe he was legitimately into voodoo. Maybe and, he like, was a white Haitian. On a- <laughs> Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I was making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. About white people being uh, appropriative. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that never cur- happens. Ever. I'll try to curb that kind of those kind of accusations <laughs> in the future. <laughs> um, so this was first recorded by the Oak Ridge Boys in '78, I think. Sounds about right. But Garth is covering the version by New Grass Revival, yeah. which uh, changes the song a little bit. It modifies the uh, fiddle and guitar melody. To be even closer to Irish folk music, yeah. um, and and it incidentally changes it changes from guitar fiddle to fiddle banjo, um, yeah. and I think Cameron is this a reel? Do you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think typically like a, a fiddle reel is like an eighth note melody in cut time um, that like has like a continuous string of notes that you wouldn't ever put words to, right? Um, Cameron, I'm I'm going to blow your mind with this too. This right. is the first banjo that we've heard on a Garth Brooks song. I know. Yeah, you'll never <laughs> guess who's playing it. Uh I mean Edgar Meyer was based on that other one. Is it Bela Fleck? It's Bela Fleck. Holy shit. Yeah. Guess guess why? Because the 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 song Baton Rouge, it was most famously done by the New Grass Revival. Yep. He was a member of the New Grass Revival. Uh, Bela Fleck okay. was. And on this uh, song, on this album, Garth's version, uh, New Grass Revival is the backing band for that what Garth is sense. doing. Yeah. It's just produced so much better. It's just so obvious that, that it's like a different fiddler who's just like, oh, trying to, t- time to plug in my fiddle again and play <laughs> super sick riffs and have it sound like shit. <laughs> you can all, yeah, you can always tell when they get like a, a new band in. Like on that Maverick song that i'm still talking about i that i really like the music of uh you could tell when the fiddle comes in for a solo that like it's either produced to sound this way or it's actually done this way where it's like single mic this is a thing in like bluegrass bands where you have one condenser mic or maybe two condenser white mics in an xy pattern and the members all stand around and when it's time for your solo you get up right into the mic and then you back up Mm -hmm. and like it's panned um and uh and the volume like to to sound like that mm-hmm. in in that recording and this one it's not it sounds more like it's individually mic'd but like it just sounds really really good and warm and like real rosin on string mm-hmm. and uh yeah it sounds awesome yeah the fiddle and the banjo together playing their yeah. little reel oh it's man it's lovely it's amazing and, and it's total like indulgent new grass. Like there's reharmonizations. Yeah, there's like a really pretty reharmonization at uh, at the very end. It's like the last calling Baton Rouge. It's like fuck yeah reharm that's like a very new grass thing so yeah that's awesome i love i love this one the operator once you put me on through 
Gotta send my love to Baton Rouge. Hurry up. Then at the last hurry up, they do that like anticipation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's really, really good. Man, you said reharm in a way that made me think of how people talk about uh, chicken parm subs out here on the East Coast. <laughs> um, Eggplant reharm. Mm, I could go for a nice, yeah, I could go for a nice reharm right now. Um, Reharms I think, are delicious. I think. And indulgent. Yes. <laughs> I think. At one point, he refers to my Baton Rouge, and I think yep. he's talking about his dick, Cameron, because <laughs> Baton Rouge is French for red stick, and I think oh we, my god, I think we know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's where the word baton comes from. Like the, the people in the parades are always twirling around. Interesting. Yeah, might as well be twirling dildos. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're with me on this, right? <laughs> I'm right there. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. All right. Cameron, tell me about The Night We'll Only Know. Oh, and then we're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deadly wet was weeping. Why they picked that spot that evening. Lord, the night will only know. We'll within the innuendos. Just outside the steamy windows. The night was shattered by a woman's scream. Motionless. Had such a nice little, like, gasp of, you know, to get enough air to get plunged down into this, like, yeah. murky pool of. At least it's mostly inoffensive. Uh, I don't think this is inoffensive. Really? Yeah, dude. Oh, tell me about it. All right. So, first of all, there's an, there's an IMAX intro. <laughs> <laughs> like sub bass, like it sounds like, like look at all the speakers, uh, and it's kind of fun. Um, and uh, and then we start into I think Garth's first Andalusian cadence, which uh, if you've ever listen to a TED talk or read an NPR musical music article, you know that that's the, the most common chord progression or musical um, device ever. It's like the most used. It's the walk down, the minor key walk down. Dun, 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 dun. It's the hit the road Jack. And sometimes it goes dun, 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 dun. Sometimes it does that too. Mm-hmm. But um it's the first time he's ever used it. Everyone gets one. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a very moody minor key tonality. Uh, and then it's a story song. And uh, if I can sum it up real quick, uh, basically two married people have an affair in a car again. Um, Titanic. And uh, they witness a murder, but they don't uh, do anything about it because they don't want to get caught. Yep. Um, and basically the song is equating their um, their sexual dalliance with murder. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, and and then the, the murderer goes on to murder someone else, I think. And then it's like you should have said something and then you could have avoided another death. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's like this really weird, like super shaming um yeah like problematic song and it offended me hmm just to like just to like connect those two ideas like i feel like is this like awful puritanical 
obviously, yeah, I think people should like respect their commitments or whatever and or end end relationships in a respectful way um, and not like this way. But uh, it's just like there's so much like um, religious in imagery parked on some old back street. They lay down in the back seat and fell into the fire down yeah, below. That's he's not talking. The worst. He's not line. talking about um, sexual fire. Well, he standing is that outside too. The fire. Well, he is, but he's talking about hell. Like yeah. they're going to hell. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the grip of fate had tightened, and with trembling hands, they pull, uh, wiped away the steam. Um, there it is, Titanic. Yeah, there it is again. Uh, well, he says it twice. He says, "Well within the steamy, uh, sorry, well within the innuendos, just outside the steamy windows," and mm-hmm. then he says, "Steam again." Um, yeah, and then they see this murder, and they don't do anything because they don't want to get caught, and they're unable to like uh, put put their uh, relationships aside to like intervene or to like I don't. It really rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a lot of Santana guitar in it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down noodly guitar work. Feels very yeah. dated. Um, yeah, I think you're starting to convince me. I. I read it more well, as good. Uh, <laughs> I I read it more as as a song about the power of guilt and how destructive that can be and how the guilt right. sealed the fate of the person that was murdered. But I think you've got a really good point with the hellfire imagery that it's not just the guilt. It's that Garth is very strongly condemning uh, these people. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's not that adultery is hooray. Let's have an adultery parade. Right. And uh, preach it from the pulpit every Sunday. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Say that again. <laughs> Hurry, let's have an adultery parade, everybody. Who's with me? I think you, I think we. I think you're onto something. I think you've got quite a good point. Personally, stop that. <laughs> There's some pretty weak writing and weak lyrics. Um, some like, yeah, some of the rhymes are just like they they watched her fall in silence to save their own alliance. <laughs> I don't think alliance is really the right word, and it's pretty obvious he's using it only for the rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they told how, exactly how the woman died. Abandoned and forsaken, too many pills were taken. Ugh. Get, get out of here with that fucking passive voice crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's. I I thought it was mostly inoffensive, but I think, I think you've convinced me that it's... Yeah, it's not as offensive. offensive as the other ones, but yeah. it's just like... Yeah, it's this weird moralizing. It's like, why are you doing this to us, Garth? Mm. Like, you've spent so much time just like, like I don't know, kind of glorifying all these like sexy things, and now you're and and even glorifying like adulterous like relationships, and now like what what is going on in Garth's life that he's like singing about this? Like, why? Yeah. Like this came out of left field. I'm like, no, get rid of this. Go away, Garth. If you're gonna write a song about like um, infidelity and guilt. Please write a good song or commission a good song about <laughs> yeah. it that's like nuanced. Like yeah. that would be awesome. That's a great topic. But this is ah, man, not it. Not it. Not okay. it. Try again. Try again. When when you're ready. <laughs> I'm being really take some time off to Garth to past Garth right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next song is called the Cowboy Song. We knew that's what counts, and we sang. Yippee Ty and Amazing Grace. Or the night that broke behind us, sand it and took us by surprise. 
Boy, it sure is tough being a cowboy. Yeah, that's basically Boy. that's basically what it is. Um, if and so, in case you hadn't heard him, in case in the past, in case you hadn't heard Garth, I <laughs> play that play that uh, play that cowboy song again. <laughs> it's literally called the cowboy song, which is pretty funny. Um, lyrically, it is a lot like Night Rider's Lament or some yeah. other Garth cowboy songs. Um, so it's not unprecedented but it's not quite as uh done to death as garth's breakup songs um this is a pretty good song yeah it actually is it's i think it's a lot stronger than knight rider's lament actually um yeah he has a really a lot of like really good specific uh moments and examples of why the cowboy life is so hard um yeah works... pushing horns weren't easy like the movie said it was <laughs> <laughs> exactly was the last time you tried to push in horns mm, pushing horns yeah horny um t-shirt than pushing rope that's <laughs> it's true uh he has lines like you worked hot and tired and nasty rode your ponies head too low there there were all the nights you couldn't sleep because it was too damn cold yeah um and then it gets worse because second verse there's a flood and they oh, lose man. a lot of the steers and third verse his friend bonner is killed and i think yeah. it's implied that he's trampled to death Oh my god um in the lines the night they broke behind us and then took us by surprise and bonner is like riding his horse as fast as he can and he still gets run down um and then there's this neat device where each verse ends with the music the cowboys are singing man i loved that that's super cool and i actually went and like listened to all the songs that he names um except i did not yippee kaye because that's not actually a song um uh no it is a song really yeah um, there's a song there's a- called yippee kaye no, no, it's, I think it's called like the cowboy song or something like that, or like the old cowboy or something like that, but yeah. it's like the yippee tie get along little doggies. Well, I mean, that shows up in so many songs, yippee kaye. Does it? Yeah. I think there's one, I think there's one song that popularized You're it. probably right. You're right about a lot And of I think things. it's that song. Okay. All right. Uh, so when his friend Bonner dies, they sing Bringing in the Sheaves and the Rugged Cross, which yeah. are both hymns. Uh, so in the last verse, it's a little unclear what Garf is going for. He says, don't judge the cowboy because yeah. he's not ragged by his choice. He never meant to bow them legs or put that gravel in his voice. I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I do. I do like that. But he says that he's just chasing what he really loves and what's burning in his soul, wishing to God that he'd been born a hundred years ago. Obviously, this isn't one of those plentiful black cowboys <laughs> <laughs> that you mentioned in an earlier episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, is Cameron, are these lines, is it romanticizing the Old West, or is it acknowledging the tragedy and futility of someone who's trying to play at a cowboy only to crash up into the harsh reality? I think it's doing that. I mean, it, right, the, right in that first line, we, you know, we are busy making dick jokes, but, like, I think it's a really telling lyric. Uh, Pushing horns weren't easy like the movie said it was. Like, this is a person who's trying to embody... Uh, in an idealized version of being a cowboy and then right um yeah Yeah. so i i agree that the last verse is like a little bit a little bit strange it's a pretty good song i like it pretty well it's it's actually it's fairly catchy um the instrumentation is nice there's a cool like mandolin chop going on because there are no drums uh which might be the first garth song without any drums Maybe maybe on some of the ballads, but uh, the mandolin and the bass have a very traditional rhythm section thing going huh. on. There's some like harmonized guitar fills that are just ah, too sweet. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> too, too sweet. Too sweet. 
too saccharin. sweet for my palate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're in, like, they're right before, so when you see the cowboy, he's not ragged by his choice. Actually, they're all over the song. Mm. Just, like, harmonized guitar fills, and they're just like, ah, that's too sweet. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what other songs Garth liked when he was a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and we sing Gangnam Style. <laughs> and do the horsey thing. <laughs> we sang Gangnam Style in Bad Romance. When our friend died. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's the modern-day cowboys are singing those ones. I'm having a real bad romance with this cowboy life. <laughs> Uh, caught in a bad bromance. Yeah. Um, and apparently this song was found in a trash can. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> Wikipedia says that uh, Garth did an interview with a BBC radio DJ who says that it was found in a trash can by someone on his team who liked the song, played it back to him. And it was uh, actually composed in 1987 by a man named hmm. Roy Robinson. All right. So... It's plucked from obscurity and the what, trash. What medium was it in when it was found in a trash can? That's a great question, Cam. Is it a cassette tape? Is it some like hastily scrawled lyrics? Is, Is he it... just being cute? Does he mean it's inspired? I don't know. Maybe it's like a Viewmaster slide that he finds in the trash. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the last song on this album. Uh, uh, what a rough ride. Yeah, it's... I feel. I feel like... I feel like um, our experience at like riding with Garth through these songs isn't as easy as other people said it was, as, yeah. the, as the numbers of his sales said it was. Do you see the connection I'm trying to draw here? Yeah. He's really roller coastering us around. I, I'm trying to figure out if it's worth all of the gems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. interesting because I actually, shoot, I read one of the Amazon reviews uh like complains at length about how garth refuses to let people buy his albums song by song and he says that he intends it to be listened to as an entire album and the person Uh, is just complaining because he wants to buy only the singles yeah i I, if i i would only want to buy the singles yeah i wouldn't want to pay money for this entire thing that's so interesting i would buy uh colin baton rouge and maybe nothing else from this album and my my impression is that that you know that explains why he has such huge album sales mm. because people just like if he was selling singles I don't think he would have that huge of album sales because these albums like yeah they just have a few awesome moments and then just like a, a lot of real stinkers that's a great that's his marketing genius right there I mean yeah I guess it worked for him oof yeah okay well I mean good for you Garth that you managed to game the system but not good for us as listeners. No. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Cameron, are you ready to go to the Amazon? I'm ready. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> very lukewarm response. So, I guess top positive review by A Wall. Like any country music listener, Garth Brooks is an amazing performer, and his music becomes a legacy. That is right. not what that sentence means. <laughs> <laughs> you keep using that sentence i do not think it means what you think it means anybody want a peanut yeah <laughs> you are the brute squad uh As you wish. purchasing his album gave me more reason to love his music more 
uh, some songs now is invested. I'm, yeah. too, I'm too deep in. I'm too deep in. Help. <laughs> I try to bucks. get out. They keep pulling me back in. Uh, some songs of his just have to be heard more than once. You can't get enough. Uh, <laughs> just one more bump. <laughs> once you pop, the fun don't stop. Yeah. Uh, rating in piece is a perfect five star in parentheses S five stars five star uh continues his role as unforgotten singer and performer <laughs> not yet garth <laughs> he's not unforgettable but he i mean he will be forgotten someday but not yet he's yeah. unforgotten <laughs> he, gone but not unforgotten <laughs> <laughs> we want him to stick around yeah. i would recommend his cd to any country music listener or a garth brooks enthusiast <laughs> sure <laughs> so there- there is a lot more country in this one. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, so if you're a Garth Brooks enthusiast, I recommend buying Garth Brooks's albums. Yeah. Why don't you think of that, you idiot? <laughs> uh, okay. And then, oh, I'm so tickled by this. This is so cute. I love it. Uh, the top critical review is by Francis L. Bielkini, who rates the album two stars. And the title of the review is actually two stars. And Francis, <laughs> he or she, writes... Five stars, four exclamation points, four, count them, four. Uh, <laughs> what? Five stars is on this two-star review. Is this a troll? <laughs> I don't know if Francis really gets how this whole thing works. <laughs> the, the, the title is two stars? Yeah, the title is two stars, and, right. she, and he or she rates it two stars, and then writes five stars All right, Francis. with four exclamation marks and that's a lot of numbers to keep track of so <laughs> I get why he or she was confused um now but when will how will we know what Fran- how Francis really feels <laughs> exactly uh Cameron do you remember our old friend dearest dearest goofy as fuck yeah from our no fences days yeah well goofy as fuck yeah goofy as fuck uh, rears his pretty head again. Uh, that that's being oh, presumptuous. <laughs> Gorsh, but said in a sexier way. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so goofy as fuck. Gorsh, gorsh, Mickey. <laughs> you just ship Goofy and Mickey, dude. I'm into it. <laughs> oh man, oof. The unholy union of <sighs> getting the anthropomorphic vapors. dog and anthropomorphic mouse. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, goofyandmickey.com. <laughs> I recommend it, listeners. Uh, um, so goofy as fuck. That's your deviant. It, it just forwards to your deviant part. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, it's not under my own name, Cameron. <laughs> Don't blow my cover. Um, so goofy as fuck. He or she writes. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. The Cameron, that's Mickey. That's not Goofy. Although maybe maybe Goofy or maybe Mickey is Goofy as fuck. Maybe it's a yeah. description of Mickey. Anyway, that's stupid. Um so responding to someone else's comment, he or she writes, Yeehaw is right, comment. I may still be quote underage, but I've been a proud member uh, of the AHBA since I was a kid. And this is on the song American Honky Tonk Bar Association. Yeah. So apparently Goofy as fuck has been drinking booze since they were a kid. And right. continues, just as a side note, my favorite verse is all of the second. 
when Uncle Sam dips in your pocket. <laughs> Where I come from, we don't need welfare lines. We replace them with hard work and not being a bunch of crying pussies. Bush beer for oh, life. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, a little bit I don't of, like uh, Goofy as fuck anymore. No, I don't either. I specifically dislike him, in fact. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of corporate plug at the end, and... It's a great demonstration of why Garth should not be singing songs that have those kinds of lyrics. Man, it's so irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, I don't even think he means it. No. He's, he's putting on a, uh, a costume. He's pandering. Like for fun. Oh, he's wearing yeah, a pander costume. Yeah. Black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is very black and white. Yeah. <laughs> but it, In many ways. <laughs> it doesn't eat bamboo. It eats justice and <laughs> i don't know civility yeah anyway do you know uh, there's a lot of people who've been just hugged to, to death by pandas <laughs> that's like a thing that happens really they just slowly kill you by crushing your bodies because they're super strong and then they eat you at least the giant one <laughs> yeah and then, they eat you. <laughs> and then they sneeze and it's super cute it's cute <laughs> but then they won't mate in captivity no um, finally, Cameron, I'm going to read you the very last line of Improbability 32, writing about the song The Red Strokes. All right. Um, oh, as a side note, The Red Strokes. Your favorite song. That was the song that our friend Carla Joe was writing about at first from the last episode. Oh, no. Yeah. She, she wrote, it's a, and that's all she wrote. All right. Um, so Improbability 32, the very last yeah. line of their review says, but I bet a shrink could have a field day with what is read into this song. Uh. <laughs> like, what, is, is he or she implying that it's like some weird Oedipal thing? Yeah, this person is implying that like, this that Garth doesn't know that this song is about sex, actually. <laughs> this, Garth thinks he's writing about Paintings. painting. But I think there's something else on his mind. There's a little bit of a sexual undertone to this song, I think. Hmm. Yeah, just kind of simmering underneath the surface. (laughs) You really got to look for it, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's let's wind down. Yeah, I'm getting some real tenderness rage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a real case of... Yeah, uh. dear listener, you can visit us on the internet at boxset.website or email us at electronic underscore mail at boxset.website. We're also yeah. on Twitter at totbs podcast, and I like to think that that's pronounced tote bs, and I think that's a pretty accurate description of what our podcast <laughs> is. Also, check out Cameron's other show, yeah. Get Up In The Cool, which is a fucking awesome, great music and interview podcast about old-time music. Just do it already. <laughs> Go to Get Up In The Cool and check it out. Uh, it is a... Uh, I'm I'm so just professional in compared to this, <laughs> to this podcast because I'm, like, talking to, like, a lot of older people that I really respect and, like, <laughs> don't Yeah, you probably have know. at least 10% fewer dick jokes. Yeah, I don't tell my any of my guests to shut up at any point. <laughs> Even though they deserve it constantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I think it's time to go, Cam. This is Nathan <sighs> Hunt, Pushing Rope. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and, and derailing Cameron DeWitt. This is Cameron DeWitt. Just giving that rope a little tug. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> uh, this is Karen Dewitt roping in the wind. <laughs> oh, lariats. Kid rock me, baby, like a wagon wheel. <laughs> I've always wanted to collaborate with Kid Rock. <laughs> Here I am, Paul McCartney again. Call it in from Love Liverpool. <laughs> it's getting quite late here. Well, we'll have to uh, do Kid Rock after we do Garth Brooks. We have to. We must. <laughs>